0: At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. In a culture growing in hostility, it's clear how far we are from what the kingdom of God should look like. As followers of Christ, it can be difficult to stand firm in what we are taught and what we believe in. It's easy to let idols slip into our lives without us even realizing it, especially when the world we live in puts people on a pedestal. In our new series, Daniel, The Clash of Cultures, We'll be looking at the life of Daniel and how even then, Daniel had to navigate a culture who opposed God. We'll discover how we can put our trust in God, regardless of our circumstances, and how God is sovereign overall. Join us this new year as we study the life of Daniel and learn how to apply the truths inside this book to our own lives.
1: So let's take our Bibles, open up to Daniel chapter two. Daniel chapter 2, we're going to be looking at this big idea that God is greater. God is greater. So last week we started this brand new sermon series in Daniel. We covered Daniel chapter 1, where we met Daniel and his friends, and Daniel and his friends lived both these realities, didn't they? The worst and the best those not repeatable events. Like they were there when Jerusalem was destroyed, when the wall of the city came down, when the city was leveled, when the temple was destroyed, they were there. They were there when their group of friends was all rounded up. And they were told that Israel's not gonna be your home anymore. Judah's not gonna be your home. Jerusalem's not gonna be your home. We're gonna take you off to this other land, to Babylon. You're gonna be exiled from everything that you've known to be true. Like they went through some serious trials together. And there were some joy-filled times. There was that moment that all of a sudden that supernaturally God provided in a way where they did learn the language, where they did learn the culture, where they did learn the literature, where they did learn the sciences, where they did gain favor with the leaders. There were some really, really good things. And that's where we left off last week. We left off with some really, really good things happening. And that's not what's going to happen today. There's like a whole turn that goes a different direction. Look at Daniel chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Scripture says this. It says, In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled, and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dream. So they came in. They stood before the king. And the king said to them, I had a dream. And my spirit is troubled to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The word from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb, and your houses shall be laid in ruins. But... "'If you show the dream and its interpretation, "'you shall receive from me gifts and rewards "'and great honor. "'Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation.'" So in ancient times, it was believed that kings would receive dreams and visions from the gods. And so Nebuchadnezzar is this conquering king. Like, we we know that, right? He's conquered Syria. He's conquered Egypt. He's conquered Judah. This is a warrior king. This is a man who's not afraid of a fight, but he had a dream, and in his dream, he was shaken. I mean, like he was at the point after this dream of saying, "I, I got to figure this out." I mean, I'll fight the Egyptians. I'll fight Judah. I'll fight this. But I am at a place where I am freaked. Out. You ever had one of those dreams? Like you wake up and you're like, okay, that's weird. That dream was so, like you look at the person who lives with you in your house and you're mad at them. Like, why are you being so grumpy? Well, I had a dream. And you're like, that wasn't real. That was like, that was made up in your own brain. Like I didn't do it. That's where the king is. The king is freaked out. So he brings his advisors together. He brings the priests and the sorcerers and the enchanted, he brings all these people together. And here's what he says. He says, I I had this dream and I want you to interpret it for me. So the Chaldeans had this great idea. No problem, we will interpret it. Tell us the dream and we'll give you the interpretation. We're ready. And he's like, no, 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 no. Cause see, if I, if I tell you the dream, you can say anything. And I don't know if I can really trust what you're saying is true. So what we're going to do is you're going to tell me the dream and the interpretation. And if you don't, I will rip off your arms and your legs. And your head. I I literally, like, you get the point. Like, I'm going to tear you apart, and then I'm going to level your house. You'll be dead. You won't even know, but I'm just telling you what's coming. Like, I then will level your house. It will be totally destroyed. And he's not talking hypothetically. No, this king's going to do it. Like, he literally is going to rip them apart. Go back to Scripture, verse 13. So the decree went out. And the wise men were about to be killed, and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Are you seeing this scene play out? This king is so disturbed by this dream. He's like, I I have to know what this dream means. Like this dream was so vibrant. It was so real. I feel like like the gods are trying to tell me something. I need it now. So you can't tell me the answer. I'm going to rip you apart and kill you. Oh, Daniel, I know you're not even 20 yet, You're just this teenage guy. If you remember from last week though, not only did he learn the language, the literature, the sciences, he had this gift from God, the ability to interpret dreams and visions. So he's just lumped in with the whole group. He hasn't even been part of the conversation, but they're like, you need to find Daniel because he's now gonna be part of this group. of this killing party we're gonna have, we're gonna put Daniel in that group. So Daniel says, I want to delay this execution. Can Can I just talk to my friends first? Like that'd be great. I just need a little time, which brings us to our first point: that God's wisdom is greater. See, God is greater. How is He greater? His wisdom is greater. God's wisdom is greater. Look at verse seventeen. Then Daniel went to his house, and he made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions. He told them to seek mercy from God of heaven concerning this mystery so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then, look at verse 19. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. So my question is, do you actually believe? And I'm, I'm being for real with the question. Like, seriously, like, do you believe? Because sometimes I think we don't. Now, I think sometimes, like we hope, like we hope, like we we want to believe, we'd like to believe. It's not that we don't want to not believe, like we want to believe. But I think sometimes we just hope, we wish, we think. But do you believe? Because Daniel and his friends, they believed that God's wisdom was greater. I mean, everybody knew. Everybody knew the advisors to Nebuchadnezzar. They were the best at gleaning insight from the world around them. They were the ones that if you want to go out, look at the stars and say, oh, look how the stars are lined up because they're lined up like this. This then is what we should expect. You know, this person's going to be grumpy today. You know, they were the best at that. But that wasn't gonna help in this situation. You see, Daniel and his friends believed that no, God's wisdom truly is greater. And so Daniel, in the midst of sleeping, he was able to receive from Lord a vision that cleared up everything that was going on. Look at verse 20. Then Daniel answered and he said, blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might, He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what it is in the darkness and light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter." So the mystery had been revealed, like they understood the mystery of the king's dream. And do you see what they did? They prayed and they praised. That's what they did. Now, yesterday, just so you know, uh, we thought for a good few hours that we were going to have to cancel church because we didn't have power. And uh, some of you, hopefully everyone's had their power restored um, but the church yesterday, we, we had no power. And the thing is, at the church, if we don't have power, we don't have restrooms. All right, when you, when you got all of us coming together every week, you don't have restrooms, you don't have church. Like, that's, that's what's going on. So, like, we were really nervous until last night. Like, the power didn't come on until last night. And so, we were trying to work through it. And I just want to tell you, I was, I was pretty heavy-hearted. I was. I so wanted us to be able to come together today. And if you're like, why is it that big of a deal? Here's why. Because this week, the Lord has moved in some of your lives. The Lord has moved in a way where if you look back over the past seven days, you're going to say, yeah, look what happened. The only way this happened was but the Lord. The only way this went down is the Lord did something like, I will never forget that moment because but the Lord. That's what happened. And some of you, you got some things coming up this week. And as you're looking forward to this week, you're going, I don't know what I'm going to do there. I can't repeat that event, it's one of those events. I'm like, maybe it's joy-filled, maybe it's grief-filled. I don't know, but you're going, I don't know how I'm supposed to get through this next week. When we come together, church, we come together as brothers and sisters and lift high his holy name. We remind each other of his glory and his goodness. We come together to remind each other that God is greater. He is greater than whatever we are going through right now in this world because this world is not eternal, but he is. That's why we continue to come together. Yeah, I think every single week matters. Every single week matters. I don't want us to miss one week together. I don't want us to miss one single opportunity to come together. And so, what we see is we see this reality of God being greater, His wisdom being greater. You know what Paul said in the New Testament? He said, The mystery has been revealed. The mystery that's been revealed is Christ in us, the hope of glory. And what Paul's saying there is when you become a Christian, something incredible happens. When you surrender your life to Jesus as Lord, the Holy Spirit of God comes and indwells you. The Holy Spirit of God comes and takes up residence inside of you. You see, when you need wisdom, when you have that thing that's pressing on you and you're like, I don't know what to do with this work thing or this finance thing or this health thing or whatever it is. When you need that wisdom, you don't have to go to a priest, just so we're clear. You don't have to come to some, some pastor. You don't have to go to some person that looks at the stars. You don't have to do any of that because you have the Holy Spirit of God. Like you literally can go to the Lord and say, Lord, as an individual, as a brother or sister in Christ, you can go and say, Lord, I need your wisdom in this matter. Now, I love that we do get to encourage each other in Christ's likeness. We get to do this together as church family, but you can go to the Lord to seek wisdom. That's what Daniel and his friends did. They went to the Lord. They went to seek the Lord for the wisdom. Is that what you do? I think sometimes we don't. Sometimes we go to Instagram is where we go for our wisdom. You're like, I'm going to scroll till I find. That's the meme right there. That's the one. Share that one, you know, or, or you'll TikTok it or you'll Facebook it. Or you'll... Sometimes what we do is we go to people that we know have rejected Jesus as Lord. And we're like, yeah, but but I'm going to go to you for the wisdom. You've never even asked God about it. You've never even paused to ask the Lord for insight and wisdom into a situation. But you're going to seek those that you know have rejected Jesus I think so often that's what we do but that's not what we see from Daniel. Daniel and his friends are recognizing that God's wisdom is great. Not just his wisdom though, that also God's kingdom is greater. That's our second point, God's kingdom is greater. Look at verse 26. So the king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar. So here's the here's the scene. Daniel walks in now. He's been with his friends. God has given him this vision. He now understands what the king dreamed and how to interpret it, so he's standing in front of the king, who, by the way, is looking for all these wise men so that he can tear off arms and legs and heads and everything else we just talked about. The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered the king, and he said, no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show the king the mystery that the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these. Oh my goodness. Are you kidding me right now? I mean, talk about courage, right? He is standing in front of the guy who literally has control of life and death. That's what's going on in this moment. And so Daniel says, all right, let's bring it. Here we go. Here is what the God who sees, he knows your heart. He knows the good, he knows the bad, he knows your dreams, people. And he's like, and here's what the king has dreamed. He said, there's this statue. And the statue looks a lot like this it has this head of gold, and then there's this chest. And arms of silver, there's belly and thighs of bronze, these two legs, he's like, these two legs that have been separated, like this kingdom that's been separated, but they're, they're strong, they're legs of iron, and there's feet of iron and clay put in the midst of that. In the midst of that, there's this huge stone cut out, out of a mountain. This huge stone cut out of a mountain, and it strikes the statue's feet. And when it strikes the statue's feet of iron and clay, those feet are destroyed. When the feet are destroyed, this statue comes just toppling over. Totally smashed, totally defeated. Can you imagine the king as he's listening to Daniel? No one has heard this story. No one knows what has been troubling the king. No one knows why this... This king who can defeat other nations and leave them in ruins would be so disturbed. And Daniel's like, here's what you dreamed. Here's exactly what went down. He said, the golden head king, it represents you. It represents you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Another kingdom inferior to you will come after, and then another, and then a fourth will come after that. It's going to lose strength. Verse 44, look, it says, in the days And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all the kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. Just as you saw, the stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand, and it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, the gold. A great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain, the interpretation is sure. And so I wish we had a whole sermon series just to cover that, because that's a whole sermon series in and of itself. I can't in 10 minutes cover everything. Else. Like, there's, there's just no way. So the short version is he looks at the king and he says, okay, Babylon is great. You are this head of gold, King Nebuchadnezzar. That is you. You see, we're so far removed, I think sometimes we forget about the power of the Babylonian Empire that's talked about from Genesis to Revelation. It starts out in Genesis 11 with these people who are united at the Tower of Babel. And I know we get all distracted with the tower, but the point I want you to remember is this is a unified people. But by Daniel 2, it's way beyond a unified people, and it goes to you are now a world power. By Daniel chapter two, you are now a world power king. That is you. And historians debate the nations and the order, but most think this chess that that's going to be the Persian Empire, and then the the Greek Empire, and then the Roman. The iron legs would be the Roman Empire. What I want you to notice is as you continue down, it's. It's less and less precious, going from gold down to iron mixed with clay, you know, less and less precious, almost like the morality of the people continues to decrease in value. But we see this incredible change, and I want you to not miss the kingdom of God that's mentioned, because he says there's a stone that's cut out of this mountain that comes along and it smashes the feet. In fact, it smashes each and every piece. It is the kingdom that will have no end. It's the kingdom that will be victorious to all. Of course, the stone represents Jesus Christ. He is the one who comes to bring complete fulfillment to Daniel chapter two. I like how Peter says in second Peter, he says, or in first Peter chapter two, he says the stone that causes men to stumble and Jesus is a rock that makes them fall. He is the right and perfect ruler who comes to sustain all things and fulfill all things. Daniel and his friends, they lived with this premise. And I want you to think how incredible their faith is in this moment. They had this premise that there is a kingdom that is greater than all the other kingdoms. But they're saying this in the midst of, and they're believing this in the midst of, a Babylonian empire that has come and destroyed the wall and destroyed the temple and destroyed Jerusalem. They are in exile to the Babylonian empire. They see the wealth, they see the strength, they see the power of the Babylonians, and they're like, yeah, but God's kingdom is greater. God's kingdom is greater and will have no end. There will be kings, come. they don't know about the king not gonna make it all the way, but they're going to see kings come and kings go. They will be firsthand witnesses to that, and they're looking, saying, yes, but God's kingdom is greater. The final thing that we're going to see is that God is greater than all other authority because sometimes, church, there are all stops in your life. You know, an all stop is when you're going along and that loved one passes away. When you're going along and that work thing happens, you go along and that health thing happens. There are times in life, the less repeatable an event, the more important it is, there are times in life where you call an all stop. There are so many things going on right now. I can't continue with all of these periphery things. I have to focus in on these one, this one thing. So when that one thing happens, where is your focus? Our last point is that God is greater than all other authority. Verse 47, the king answered. Whew, I'm just trying to imagine this. The kings talk about rip arms, legs, heads, all that, off, destroy your house. You know, who wants to give me the answer? And uh, so Daniel, <laughs> Daniel steps up. He's like, I got you. Like, I'll, I'll give you the answer. And can you imagine the king hearing this? The king hearing like, you are the head of gold. That's you, but your kingdom's not going to last. Your kingdom's going to be destroyed. That The kingdom of heaven is going to be greater. This is what you've dreamed. is going to come along and destroy everything. Can you imagine the silence as the king is taking all this in? The king answered and said to Daniel, truly, Your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. Oh, my goodness. Right? That's what just happened. The king made a declaration. It's a declaration we still make today. He says, your God is God of gods and Lord of kings. Now, Nebuchadnezzar did not come to faith in this moment. This is really the foreshadowing. It's kind of a precursor to what we're going to read in Philippians 2, where it says, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So we see this place that says there is a king coming who will be greater than all kings. But again, this wasn't the moment of salvation. You know what Nebuchadnezzar did not say? He did not say he is my Lord, did he? He didn't say that. He didn't say he's the one and only Lord. He didn't, he didn't say that. But Daniel, don't miss this. Daniel, in his darkest moment, in his most challenging of moments, Daniel somehow pointed away for a bright light to shine on the Lord, not knowing what tomorrow looks like. But he wasn't going to waste this moment. I'm going to call time timeout right there. I'm going to come back to that. But real fast, for those of you who really kind of like the little nuances of Scripture... Um, If we're playing Bible trivia, if we're playing Bible trivia, and I throw out the question, you know, the New Testament, what was the original language it was written in? The New Testament was written in Greek, right. Okay, the New Testament was written in Greek. Greek, very good. The New Testament was written in Greek. So then if I went to the Old Testament, I'd say the Old Testament was written in, and you would say Very good. Hebrew. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew, except for here in verse four, chapter two, verse four. Something happens. There's a change, and this is so cool. Like this. Like if you like to nerd out. So from chapter two, verse four through like chapter seven, there's a change. See, the Old Testament's in Hebrew. The New Testament is in Greek, and that is true, except for these places that are written in Aramaic. Do you remember what it says? That the Chaldeans came to the king and said to him in Aramaic, "O king, live forever." In Aramaic. So, when the Hebrew uh, people were in exile for these 70 years, they would have learned and would have spoken Aramaic. And so, when they went back, many of them would have spoken Aramaic. The power to this is twofold. One, it's showing that we can be assured that Daniel is the one who's writing the book of Daniel. Because the very beginning is written in Hebrew. Then it's written in Aramaic. Then it comes back and it's written in Hebrew. The other thing it does is it shows us how much God cares for his people. This is a people that right now they are divided. And yet this book of Daniel is written in a way that says it's all encompassing. I'm going to be able to communicate to all my people, which is so cool. You can go study that a little bit more this week, but really cool. So final thought, Daniel's scariest moments, one of his darkest places, he shines a light on Jesus. And I, I guess my final question is what would you do? What do you do with those scariest, darkest moments? How do you respond? Last week, uh, I talked to you and I told you that our friend Cody Nichols uh, was being placed in a hospice, that he was being told he has one to three weeks. And Tuesday evening was powerful. Because on Tuesday evening, there were 80 to 100 of you. I, I didn't get an official count, so I don't know exactly how many, but it was a big group. We all crowded in his garage. And what were we doing in his garage? Well, we were, we were praying. We were praising. Like, we, we, were, we were worshiping the Lord. And so I, I was able to sneak into the house and give him a hug and talk to him for a second. Tears were just streaming down his face, church. Just just a lot of tears. And uh. Cody looked at me and he was like, Pastor Billy, who am I? Like, what? Are you kidding right now? As Amazing Grace was just flooding through the house. He was just saying, who, who am I? And I looked and I said, Cody, you're, you're my brother and you're about to hear from the Lord, well done, my good and faithful servant. And as your voices were just carrying through the house, I just said, you know, sometimes as Christians, We don't don't have all the words. We don't know what to say because we can't fix this. Like, we can't make it go away. There's nothing we can do about this. But we believe that God is greater. That's what we're doing here. Our declaration is God is greater. And when we don't know what to say and when we don't know what to do, we are going to pray and we are going to praise because he is greater. He is greater than all this. Now, what's interesting is the night before... Cody had lots of energy. He had received like some blood earlier that day. So Ross, Shane, and I, we went over and we were spending some time with him. He was feeling good. Yeah, he was feeling real good. I mean, he was beaming and he was like, hey, I know tears are coming later on. This is not the time for tears. This is the time for joy. And he was excited and we were talking. And and then he got pretty serious and took his phone and he said, you know, so much of life seems to be consumed with what's, what's the next game? You know, what's the next game I can download and I can play? Or what's the next product Apple's going to come out with? Or, or, you know, what's going on with the news cycle? Who dropped out of the election? He goes, can I just tell you guys, like, I don't care about any of that right now. I, I, literally, I don't care about any of that right now. He goes, you know what I want? I want one more verse. That's what I want. I want, I want one more sermon. I just want to be ready to be face-to-face with the one that I'm going to spend eternity with. I want one more. And then he said, you know what I've been spending my time doing? I've been going through my contacts. As I've been going through my contacts, I've just been thinking, like, who's, who's a person I haven't talked to in a while? And I just, I want one more chance to encourage them. One more chance to encourage them in Christ's likeness. Just, just one more. That's what I want. And then I want to be surrounded." by my family, and by friends that I care about. That's what I want to do with these last hours. That's what he was so hungry for. One more verse, one more sermon. And he did say, he goes, you know, Pastor Billy, I just kind of like the song, you know, I don't don't know, I don't know what I'm going to do you know, am I just going to fall? Am I going to fall right down at the feet of Jesus? Is that what I'm going to do? Am I going to dance? Am I going to? And then he, he kind of thought about it, and he goes, you know, there haven't been a lot of loved ones before me who have passed away, so there, there's no one like I'm really looking forward to go see this person. That, that's not really the reality for me, so I hope Jesus doesn't get grumpy at me for being too clingy, you know, because i got to wait for all my family to show up, so I'm just going to hang out with him for a while. And um, Yeah, so our... Our friend Cody closed his eyes yesterday on this earth, and he opened them completely in the arms of Jesus yesterday. The five-year fight is—it's—it's um, it's done. And I look back at this man who's fought and battled cancer over the last five years, and I think he so well lives this out that God is greater. And so today, he's in that place where there's no more cancer. Make no mistake. he is in a place where there is no cancer. And there are no tears. Man, He hated tears to death. Like, he did not want all the tears. And so he's in a place where there's no tears. And there's no mourning, and there's no pain. All those old order of things have passed away. And yet that challenge, he was told one to three and didn't even finish one. But he certainly lived with a reckless abandon to the facts that God is greater. So my question for you is, what do you do? I mean, yeah, we can ask the question of, what do you do if you find that you have one week left? You know what, most of us will never get that opportunity. We're not gonna get the reality of you have one week. So I'm gonna ask it differently. When you have those events in your life that are not repeatable, Because it's a place of joy or it's a place of pain. Or maybe with Cody, it's both. It is a place of joy that my brother doesn't hurt anymore. And it's a place of pain for his two small kids, for his mom, for his church family. It's just both, right? It is both in one. It is joy and it is grief. So when you have those moments, what's your declaration? What do you really believe? Who do you cling to? Where do you go for wisdom? How do you process through it? Because what we see through the word of God, as an example from Daniel and his friends, it says, even when you're facing the unthinkable, respond with faith. Respond by living the reality, no matter who the king, who the kingdom, who the friend, what the sickness, what the finances, what the relationship is on the line. Respond with the reality that God is greater. Father, we do declare that to be true today. That you're greater. You're greater than the victories that might be sitting in front of us. You're greater than the trials that we're gonna have to battle against You're greater than the governmental realities. You're greater than the finances. You're greater than the jobs. You're greater than the relationships. You are greater and your kingdom has no end. It's eternal. Lord, we thank you that because of faith in Christ, there are promises that we get to trust and to cling to a hope that we have that says this world is not the end. The trials that we're facing don't last forever. So I do pray for my brother or my sister who they're looking at the week in front of them and they're going, you know, I've got this event coming up. And man, it's one of those events that I just want to celebrate and I want to be ready for. Lord, let them celebrate giving you the glory for all the great things that are happening. And Lord, for those who are facing trials. We pray that we continue to lean on you because you are the comforter. You're the sustainer. You're the provider, the keeper, the refuge, the hope, the author of salvation. You are the one who brings a peace that transcends all understanding. So Lord, let us live lives that echo with eternity that you are greater.